on. Let's love him. Let's praise him. Thank you, dear God. Thank you for this day of life, strength, good health, heaven's many blessings. Oh, God, we give you praise and glory and honor. The great name of Jesus, that name above every name. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, if you have a Bible this morning, take a look in the book. What God has in store for us. Really glad for you to survive the blizzard and be here this morning. Nice and warm in here. All right. In the book of Acts, which is the fifth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the book of Acts. I'd like to give everybody time. You know, I wasn't always a preacher. wasn't always in the church. So I didn't know anything about the Bible. You know, gives us a chance to, uh, you know, get familiar with it, shall we say. Get familiar with the Word of God. All right, Acts chapter 17. All right, Acts chapter 17. I'm going to begin with verse 22. Acts 17 and 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, for ye worship without knowledge. Him declare I unto you. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. I want to minister for a little while uh, this morning. And I'd like to uh, teach you a little bit about the God you don't know. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. There are so many fallacies, falsehoods about God. And people, unfortunately, they hear things, maybe even brought up with things. We had a young lady in, in uh, Sunday school the other day, and the kids, I guess, were asking, I think we're getting our bus back and painted, I hope, soon. <laughs> and... Uh, I think the guy is either a pathological liar or he has more troubles and changes in his life than most anybody I know. But it's always going to be another week or another weekend or something, you know. But anyway, they wanted to know what color the bus was going to be painted. And so uh, Seamship Felt had them guessing. And uh, so they didn't get it. So finally she said red. And they all went, ooh, that's a bad color. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's red. A bad color. The blood of Jesus Christ is red. Hello. And your blood is red. If you happen to cut your finger or something, you'll find that out real quick. And uh, so, you know, uh, then there's um, Valentine's Day, and you get red hearts and red roses and all kinds of things. 
But uh, Paul said here, uh, and he used the word superstitious, and in another place it is written, you are superstitious in uh, too many things. And, and so people have a tendency to uh, get the wrong idea. They can get the wrong idea about God and um, can get very mixed up. And uh, here came the Apostle Paul into a city, and he, his spirit just got very stirred up within him because uh, he saw that they were just given over to the wrong idea, the wrong way of thinking about things, and uh, they were just mixed up. And they had so many different ideas being flung at them and coming in different directions until, you know, they were kind of traveling in circles and didn't know where they were going. And so Paul, in coming in the midst of them, he finds this uh, altar and this inscription to the unknown gods. And so he figures, I'll use that for my text, and maybe I can declare him unto you. Maybe I can teach you about who, who God really is and that uh, you won't be so lacking in knowledge then. I can help get you on the right path. Now I'm going to turn in the Bible a little further, deeper forward to the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. And, uh, but just before it is 1 John. 1 John. I'd like to turn to chapter 1. I'd like to tell you that uh, the scripture puts together some nice subject matter for you and helps you, and, and we are to rightly divide the word of truth and study the word of God in subject matter so that we can better understand this word and him and everything that he has to say about things. But for an example, it tells you in first, in, in let me just quote this in John one and one in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now in 1 John, where I ask you to turn to, in chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the Word of life. For the life was manifested or shown clearly, demonstrated, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father or with the Spirit and was manifested or shown clearly unto us. You know, Paul in teaching them at Mars Hill about the unknown God he said to feel after him, or he's not far from you, from any one of us. He's not far. So for you to know that God is not far, because you know there's a tendency to make God in this world, to make God seem so very far away. Okay. Well, he feels the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him, and it's a marvelous miracle that he can be on, in deep space, but he can be right here, right next to you, right now. And according to the word, where two or three are gathered together in his name, and his name has been manifestly declared. It's been shown and demonstrated in a very obvious and evident manner. 
His name above every name, the Bible said, is Jesus Christ. And so, for you to understand that he is right here, we gather together in his name, and the Bible said, he, there am I in the midst of you. So he's right here. And he, in being right here, he said, feel after him now, Paul said, because he's not far from any one of you. So you need to realize, you know, I've, I've read articles in newspapers and stuff about people that uh, just get so in awe because they're in the same room with a celebrity, you know, and some drug-addicted, <laughs> spaced-out, drunkard, alcoholic, you know, comes walking through the, the room, and he's done every imaginable or maybe unimaginable thing uh, in life, and, um, and yet they, they are all in awe because of this guy or this girl and the name that's attached to them, and they're in celebrity status in their eyes. But I want you to know that you need to realize that God is close to you and that he has all power in heaven and earth and that he is right here. That you could feel after him. You could use your spiritual senses. Now, you know your natural senses, your sight, your hearing, your, your sense of smell, your taste, and your touch, okay? Those are natural senses, but you can spiritualize them because you have a spirit inside of you. You have uh, the real you, okay, that which is eternal. And it's able to feel you can exercise those senses, okay, and you can begin to feel after God. Because he's not far from you. Isn't that marvelous? He's not far from you. And the writer here said, that which was from the beginning. Now, I read to you John 1 and 1, or I quoted to you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. God, First Timothy 3.16 said, God, who is a spirit now, He's everywhere. He's, heavens of the heavens can't contain him. Okay, and yet he's right here. So the Bible said to you very plainly that the word that was God was made flesh. And 1 Timothy 3.16 said God was manifest in the flesh. Okay? And it said here that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was clearly shown and demonstrated. We have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Spirit and was made manifested unto us. Okay. So I'm saying to you that there's something here that the Bible teaches is God. And that he's, one place it used the word obvious, evident, things that are done in an obvious manner, in a plain manner. And that if you would, as another place said, awaken, because God is righteous, and it said, awake to righteousness. Wake up. Get your inner man to waken up. Okay? 
and see if we can turn off some of the natural things that we tune into and that so much clutter and so much loud noise and, and clamor, the Bible teaches that word, and that we could just kind of turn some of that. And that's what Paul was saying in this area that he was in and let that area be Belgrade this morning and, and, and realize, let's turn some of that off and decrease that and increase our ability to feel after him because he's right here. And if you could let your spiritual eyes be open, your spiritual ears be open, and you get your spiritual touch going and start feeling after God, you can feel him. You can experience him. You can find out that he's right here in the midst. You can rub shoulders with him, if you please. How marvelous is that? And, and people do very odd things uh, all over the world and call it God. And, of course, the Bible does not teach those odd things, okay? But what it does teach is what we'd like to educate you to. As Paul said, whom ye ignorantly worship, or you worship without knowledge. Well, we would like to give you the knowledge. We would like to share with you, at no cost, the knowledge so that you could realize, number one, he's right here, and he's close to you, and if you'll just kind of start feeling after him a little bit, get your mind on him, get your thought process built around him, and talk to him, and just tell him in your own language, tell him in your own words. It doesn't take fancy words. That's another fallacy, a falsehood about God. People want to make you think that you have to have such a, a, spe a special eloquence and, and uh, a big vocabulary, and that's not true. That's not true. You know, the Bible teaches us that it uses a terminology of groanings that can't even be put into words, but they can be but God understands them, okay? So I'm trying to say, you can hurt so bad that you can't even seem to, to get it into words, or you can be confused so much that you can't get it into sentences. And yet, God, He understands, the Bible teaches He understands the thought of your heart. And as you're trying to get things into words, I'm saying it doesn't need to be fancy. It just needs to be a, a telling God how you feel. You know, it's not hard if you think about it to express that I need you. That's not difficult to say. Only thing that makes that difficult is usually pride. You know, we get a little proud and we, we get a lot proud, and and we don't want to we don't want to fess it up to God or we don't want to express it to God. You know, but I want you to understand that you can tell God anything. You can discuss anything with God. You can express anything to God. This God that is not far from you. This God that you can feel. This God that is not a stick or a stone or a statue carved out, made by man's hands and man's imagination. 
Not at all is he like that. That's again, man in his vain attempts, his worthless, useless attempts to find God. And they go about it the wrong way. And that's where Paul said, let me educate you. Let me give you knowledge. The other day I had to open what's called a lockbox. It was on the door of a house. And uh, I was given the combination. I put the combination in. And it, you've seen combination locks that they put on bicycles. So I'm trying to yank it down to get it to open. And it's, nothing's happening. I'm going, man, I got the right combination. Why won't it open? So when the gentleman showed up that had put it there, and I said, you know, I tried to get this open. And I said, I'd use the combination you gave me. I said, I couldn't get it open. And so he looked at it, and he said, well, the combination's right. And he just flipped the front of it right open. Just bloop, went like that. And I went, I, duh, you know. And, uh, uh, but the problem was that I thought you had to yank it. All you had to do was flip it. <laughs> and uh, it was so much simpler than what I thought it was. Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you. The Bible uses the term the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. Now, what could be any simpler than the fact that God said, I'm going to start a church which is going to be a body of believers. I'm not talking about a church house. That, we like that because that's keeping us out of that cold weather out there. Okay, that's the church house. But I'm speaking to you about the church, which is the body of Christ. Okay? It's made up of people. And it's made up of people that got the revelation or the light, the insight, you know, just flip it open. <laughs> they got the light bulb went on. People that realize that he's real. And he's easily accessed. And the way has been made manifest to get to him because he being a spirit, invisible, chose to make himself a body that he could put his spirit in. The fullness of his power and his deity. And that he could name that, call that his son. And that when Mary gave birth to that flesh, that visible, and in that visible flesh was the fullness of his Holy Spirit that you call Father. And so the Father was manifest in the Son, or the Spirit was manifest or shown clearly in the flesh. And walked among us. And then eventually, having done so much good, he gave his life for us on the cross. He laid down his life that you might be able to feel him, touch him, manifest himself in your midst. And that you could say, I, I've seen this, I've felt this, I've experienced this. And, uh, and he's real. And um, maybe you'll find yourself having an experience that he's healed you. He's given you a healing. You know, that's a marvelous thing. It's marvelous. I remember the first time God healed me. I uh, had, hadn't been in the church just maybe a month. 
and I, I really fell ill. I got very, very sick. And um, when I got, uh, I couldn't get up, couldn't get out of the bed. I, I, I was in, sick in the bed for like three weeks. And uh, when I finally was able to just get up and, and my head off of the pillow and it was killing me, and uh, but I, I just felt like I just had to try, and I did, and I, I, I went to work, and um, I worked with a brother in the church, and I, uh, we worked on roofs, and and oh, that made things a hundred times worse, seemed like. And I remember we were driving in the car to go to work, and um, he said, you know, we're going right past the pastor's house, brother Dunn's house. He said the evangelist is there. And he said we could have them pray for you, and I just. I just said, oh, nah, okay, you know, I've, everybody's been praying for me, and I'm just feeling worse. So, um, but it kind of hit me all of a sudden, and I just said, all right, just go by there. Come on, let's go. And so we did. He drove down there. We knocked on the door, and we went in, and I sat down at the, his dining room table, and, and uh, you know, the brother with me explained to Brother Dunn that I'd come for prayer, for healing, and that I'd been sick for so long. and. And so, um, uh, Charles, you want to help out back there? Thank you. And so I, uh, I was sitting in the chair there, and uh, Brother Dunn laid hands on me, and the evangelist was blind. So he took me by the hand. That was his way of doing things. And he began to pray for me. They began to pray for me. And there was, they had a, a wall unit air conditioning in the house, uh, my pastor did. And I was sitting right by that air conditioning, and, and you know, that was just killing me the sinuses, everything that was going on. And while I was sitting there and they prayed for me, I felt the Lord heal me. And it was the first time I'd ever experienced that. And, and when it just lifted, everything was fine. All the pain was gone. All the discomfort was gone. And he was right there. <laughs> and I got to feel that. I got to touch that and have that touch me. And, and I'm trying to tell you that God's a real God. And I'm trying to help you. <laughs> I want to deprive you. I, a, a prayer that we should pray is, God, deprive me of my ignorance. Take away my lack of knowledge and educate me to know you. Let me know you, the one, true, only, eternal God. The God of the universe. The God of the universe. Small here this morning, and I, uh, you know, he's originally from Barbados, and um, not too long ago he he fell deathly ill, and they put him in the hospital and over in West Palm Beach, and they put him in the intensive care unit, and uh, I tell you he was hooked up to every kind of machine and every kind of wire and a, a big shunt stuck in his head. Look like a unicorn or something, which is a one-horned animal. And, uh, I mean, he just had stuff coming out of him everywhere. And he couldn't communicate. He couldn't talk. Uh, and that we had gone there and we prayed for him and believing in our God. And, you know, he sits here this morning. He walks in here and out of here now when he couldn't walk before, when he couldn't communicate before. Now he can talk and communicate. So many things that God healed for him. 
And all of those people, all of those nurses and doctors are aware of that. One nurse came up to us and said, he has come so far back. Well, we know why. We know why. And that's what we're trying to educate you to, trying to make you aware how great our God is and what he can do and that every he can supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He can do that. He can do that. He's an amazing God. Yes, he is. And here, here you had Paul in a city, just like here, a city. In one place it talked about the cry of that city entered into the ears of the Lord, the Lord God. For our city to begin to call upon the Lord. And it starts with one person and two people and ten people and twenty people. And we're calling on God. We're calling on God. We're not superstitious. We're not throwing dust around. Somebody told me that there were people coming around here and sprinkling all kinds of powder uh, because they had something against me, you know. And I said, bring it on. <laughs> bring all the powder you want to bring. Just tell me when you're coming so I can be there. So I can lift up my hands and I can pray while you put your little spooky dust out there. I'll pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Our great God is real and he's mighty and he's right here. And he's come to help you. He's come to communicate with you. These folks said it, man, and they were just like us. You know. And they said that which was from the beginning. God is the beginning. They said we've heard. We've seen with our eyes. We've looked upon hands of handled of the word of life, the life that was made clear and demonstrated in our midst. And Paul's looking at a whole bunch of people. And he's saying, you're, you're just doing it wrong. Let me help you. You're like me. You're trying to yank that thing, and you just have to do this little, that's all you got to do. And it's the revelation comes through, you know. And that's the light begins to shine in your heart. And you realize that God doesn't hate you. You realize that God is not a million billion miles away only, but that he's right here in our midst because his word said he would be. Okay? And you begin to, if you'll allow yourself, if, you, if you'll somehow put that unbelief that you have under your feet and begin to use something that God gave you that you might not be aware that God gave you. You know, we have a little a little joke that we play sometimes, a little light, humorous thing, and it's uh, it's to give you a penny. I found a penny the other day, and I gave it to somebody, and I said, if you never spend that, you'll never be broke. Okay? Well, stop and think for a minute. Now you've got something maybe you didn't even know that you had, and there it is. You've got a penny, you know. But I'm telling you there's something much more in you than a penny in your pocket or pocketbook. And that is God has given to you the measure of faith. He's given that to you. It's, it's in your heart. 
not your fleshly pump, up here, your mind, your seat of your thoughts, and your intellect, and your emotions. And God has placed faith there, okay? God did that. And he wants you to use what he's given you for what he's given it to you for. And he's, he's given you that faith for you to feel after him, for you to call on him, whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I've told you, the Bible tells you that the name of the Lord, the name above every name, is Jesus Christ. And so if you will call upon Jesus Christ, if you will express yourself, even in the most simplest and humblest terms, which is what he's looking for, I'm telling you, he's not, one guy came and, and he knelt down and he, he began to just, oh God, forgive me, forgive me. And he wouldn't even lift up his eyes. He was just so, felt so sinful. And, and he, he just prayed and just told God, I need help. Somebody else comes and stands next to this guy. Oh, he wouldn't even kneel down. He was so proud. And he just stood there and he began to brag on himself, telling God how great he was. What all he did, what all he was doing. And Jesus Christ made it clear. Said, that man that knelt down and wouldn't even, and it's not the kneeling part of it, I don't mean to say that, but it was a humbling. And that he said, that man, that man is going home justified. That man is going home with everything's going to be okay. He said, but that other guy. Didn't even mention him anymore. He, just, he didn't count at all. He was just self-righteous. And if that's all the reward you want is your own self-righteousness, then that's all you're going to get. That's all you're going to get. But if you want the greater reward that Paul and we are trying to educate you to, the eternal reward, the reward that we often say the benefits are out of this world, that you could be, as it is written in one place, accounted worthy, and he makes us worthy, not us, but that you would be accounted worthy to be in the resurrection, the first resurrection, to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And that it's not just saying a bunch of words and 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 people just say things that they haven't even made the first beginning step, but they want to feel like they're going to have all of the benefits, and they're not until, until they learn how, as the Bible said, he is, he, our God, is searching for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. That they're, they're not, as he said, you ignorantly worship and you're not getting anywhere. He's saying, let me help you. Let me guide you. Just like me trying to yank that lock open. And I'm yanking and yanking. I'm not getting nowhere. Because I was doing it ignorantly. I, was doing it, I wasn't doing it according to knowledge. And here somebody steps up that knows how to do it and just went, whoop. <laughs> and I was like, I was embarrassed, you know, because it was so simple. And, and you know what? Getting this experience in God, this 
salvation experience is simple. It's called the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. One place used the term the beginning of the gospel. Okay, So this beginning, these first baby steps, if you please, birth steps, they're right there for you. They're not, it's not hard, it's not complicated, it's not difficult. And you've got what it takes. On Friday night we took the youth and I discovered very quickly that I no longer have what it takes. I couldn't get the ball in the hoop. Just couldn't do it anymore. Eddie had the shot, he still got it, but I don't. My, it's like my, sometimes my senses, they take leave of me. <laughs> you know, my, it gets up and goes. And so... Somewhere along the line, my coordination got up and left, and it's, you can't get the ball in the hoop anymore. And uh, um, I, was, I think I had a little bit of sense enough not to step out on the football field and play. I decided that maybe that wouldn't be conducive to my well-being, so I, I let them handle that, and they had a great time. But uh, what I'm saying to you is that this won't hurt you, this, you don't have to overexert yourself. You just have to begin to call on the name of the Lord. And this beginning of the gospel can be conveyed to you, taught to you. It's, it's not difficult. It's not hard. It's, it's not complicated. You don't have to be an Einstein, okay? Not at all. Matter of fact, being an Einstein might work against you because some people think they're so smart. And in, and in, in applying their natural intelligence, they're missing the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. And uh, they're too involved with trying to put fancy terms to it and put statues to it or uh, some other man-made conjured up ideas when I'm telling you that Paul stood in the midst of a whole bunch of different beliefs, denominations, ideas. And he told them, you've got one here the unknown God, let me declare him unto you. His name is Jesus Christ. Let me, let me educate you to what it takes to get him, the experience of him in your life. And as you begin to get the beginnings of the gospel, and as he made it clear, Jesus did in teaching, before he gave his life on the cross, he told them, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. You must do that. It's not negotiable. It's not if you feel like it or want to or in the mood or some other human thinking. It comes down to a simple obedience. He said, you must be born again. And so the question comes up, how? Do I get born? How do I do that? How does that, how is that done? How is that accomplished? All right. Well, it's accomplished in, by three very simple steps, and I tell people all the time. I tell them, Acts two thirty eight is the most important verse in the whole Bible. There was a woman at the uh, post office the other day, and she had a fine looking young man. He was about seven years old, and they had come out and they got their mail and they were about to get in their car and, and I said, hey, let me let me give you this. And she said, oh, no. She said, I already got them. Well, I'm always leaving them at the post office and 
I often give them out to people, and, uh, and of course, many are giving them out. And so um, she said, I, I've got them, I've got them, I've got them. And I said, okay. I said, well, I hope you'll come visit. And uh, I forget, she gave me some, exactly what she said, but some excuse. And, um, but she used a certain word, she said a certain thing. And when she did, I, I took the opportunity to tell her Acts 2.38, and it was the most important verse, the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38 most important verse in the whole Bible. And she said, oh, I, well, I better get that. So I said, well, then take one more. I said, it's right there in red. In red, because I, I got that little improvement done and, and all the ink is blue, but that one thing there is, is, uh, is red. And uh, Acts 2.38, okay, Acts 2.38. And so she took it. And um, three steps, simple steps. If at any point you don't understand what I'm saying, just slip your hand up, and I'll somehow try to figure out how to break it down, make it more simple, okay? But it's repent is step number one, okay? Repent. Let me say that that means that we tell God, yes, we're sorry, Okay, and I often say we're sorry for being so sorry. But also, it means that we're going to, if I'm going this way, I'm going to turn and go this way. Okay? I'm going to have a change of direction. Okay? Instead of going to the bar, instead of going to the racetrack, instead of going to the places where the gladiators are, the sports arenas, uh, instead of going to uh, steal or rob or cheat or hate or fight or bad temper or whatever. We had a man one time here. We lived in a trailer back here, all five of us. And uh, we, the daughter brought the man to my house, to my trailer. And um, it was our first parsonage other than a Sunday school room. And... Uh, he brought them in and her dad in, and, and he was just, he was a chain smoker. He, I mean, he, he couldn't even finish a cigarette, and he put it out and, and light another one. And here we are in a trailer, you know, and it was, I was feeling like I was in the middle of a chimney, uh, and it was, it was very rough. And so, um, but I, he was very, very nervous, very nervous. And he was just shaking. And so I listened to him for an hour. I listened to him, explaining to me that, he got thrown in jail because he just got out of jail. And he said, and I, so I, I just barely got out of jail. And he said, and I, and I went to the bar, and I was just sitting there. And bells are going off in my mind. If you just got out of jail, the last place you need to go is a bar, you know, because there's drinking in the bar, and there's fighting in the bar, and there's going to be problems in the bar. You don't want to go from the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. And so you avoid, you know, some bad environment, shall we say. So anyway, I'm thinking that, but I, I'm listening. So he tells me that two guys, of course, as I said, in the bar, they begin to have words, and then pretty soon they're, you know, getting into it, hitting and everything. And so he said, I, all I did was try to break them up, and, 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 and the one guy wouldn't stop. And he said, so I began to push him back, and, you know, he said, and I hit him. And the problem was. And there'll always be a problem, right? 
he was an undercover cop that he struck. And so he got arrested. Shall we say rearrested? Because he was obviously on probation. So um, then he started in all over again to tell me the story and lighting another cigarette. And I stopped him and I said, hold it. I said, I have listened patiently to you for one hour. And I said, there's no need to go into the second hour. I said, let me tell you what we're going to do. And so he just looked at me. And I said, I'm going to pray for you right now. And I said, I'm going to cast the devil out of you. And I said, and if you will repent, then God's going to change your life. And so he said, okay. And I prayed for him. And he decided to leave after that. And he went out the door, got in his car, drove away. So it was just a night or two later, I was here at the church. It was evening time. I had the side lights on, and I was in here praying. And uh, I was kind of walked around to the back. And all of a sudden, there was a young woman standing there. And I, I said, hi, I'm Pastor Feldman. She said, uh, I just wanted to come and give you a little offering. Okay. I said, it'd be for the church, not for me. And she said, oh, yes. And uh, she said, because you, you, you prayed for my dad. And I said, oh, that was your dad. She said, yeah. And uh, she said, you helped him. You helped him. And I said, well, that's what God does. <laughs> he helps people. It is written, God is my helper. I shall not fear what man will do unto me. The Lord is my helper. And so... Uh, what I'm saying to you is that it's not hard for you to change your direction if you'll employ God's help, okay? It, if, you, if you have habits, we've seen people delivered from all kinds of drugs, terrible habits, and alcohol, and, and they were alcoholics, and that God healed them of that, delivered them of that, and they no longer want to drink because God takes away the evil desire. And he doesn't leave you empty when he does it. He replaces it with something better. He gives you the gift of his Holy Spirit. He gives you joy unspeakable. He doesn't give you grief. He's not a, a mean, ugly God. He's trying to teach you about him. So you repent. I'm sorry, God, for the way I've lived. The way I've talked, the way I've thought, the way I've acted, things I've done, places I've gone, I'm sorry. Sorry for ignoring you all these years. And, uh, you know, if you'll have me, and I'll assure you he will, if you'll have me, I'd like to, I'd like to come into the body of Christ. I'd like to serve. And that's the beginnings of your repentance. You're going to cut off the old lifestyle. And you're going to welcome a new lifestyle. And after you repent, right behind me in this open window, we have a, a tank there. And we'll baptize you. Now you say, well, I was baptized when I was a baby. Okay, good. You're not a baby anymore. Okay? It's like Sister Corinthians told me one time, Grandma Corinthians, she said something about Jamaica. I said, Grandma, wake up. We're not in Jamaica. 
And so she got a good belly laugh out of that, and she went ahead and complied with what I told her to do. <laughs> and so, and thank God for obedience. And so I'm saying, and that's why she's still with us all these years. Okay, so I'm saying to you, I'm saying to you that we will baptize you in water, in the name that's above every name. Because when you got baptized as a baby, they didn't baptize you in the name. Okay? They just said some titles over you. And that's not the Bible way. That's not what the Word of God said. So it was done in ignorance. So now we're going to educate you. We're giving you the name that's above every name. And in that name is the precious blood of the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb because He was slain on the cross for you, fulfilling the Old Testament blueprint, if you please, or as we call shadow and type or preview. And so you get the real thing now. He died on the cross. He shed the blood, and the blood is in His name. And when we baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ, we're burying your old nature, your sinful nature that you've repented of. And when we bring you up, and we brought everybody up thus far, out of the water, that at that moment, you're born again of water. Because Jesus said you must be. And that's when you are. When you come up out of the waters of baptism, you're born again of water. And as you lift up your hands, if you would, and worship God, we're praying for you right from that moment on to receive the gift, the free gift of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And that's being born again of the Spirit. As Jesus said, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. You're born again of water when we baptize you in water and bring you up in the name of Jesus Christ. And you're born again of the Spirit when he fills you and baptizes you with the Holy Ghost and with fire with his Holy Spirit, which is the gift of God. He's, it's a gift. He's given it to you. Given it to you. Isn't that marvelous and wonderful? It doesn't cost you any money. You don't have to whip out your credit card. The only credit card that God accepts anyway is your faith credit card. And he's given you that measure of faith, and I have to tell you, I, I don't know what your faith credit limit is. It could be really, really a lot, but we won't know until you start using it. You've got to start using it, okay? You've got to show faith in God. You've got to show belief in God. You know, if, I, if I'm telling you to raise your hands and worship God and you don't do it, you know what that means? That means that you're not believing. You're showing an unbelieving spirit. But if you begin to worship Him, if you begin to praise Him, you begin to call on the name of Jesus, then that's believing. That's faith. That's trust in Him. And whosoever shall call upon that name is going to get this great salvation. Everybody said hallelujah. Everybody said amen. And then you're going to feel him. You're going to experience him. You're going to touch him, and he's going to touch you. Oh, yeah. You're going to find out that he's a real God. Oh, yes. My pastor 
came in the church when he was 16 years old. And he'd lived a rough life in his early years. And, uh, but when he, 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 he actually got to a place where he thought God didn't want him. And then God showed him that he certainly did. And he filled him with the Holy Ghost after he was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, they lived on a farm back in 1931 uh, when he received the Holy Ghost. Uh, America was, uh, like here, a lot of a farming country. And um, he lived in a, on a big farm. And, and uh, he said that he would get up and he would go out to the back of the property and he would pray. And he would talk to God. And his mother got sick. He was the last child, and there was eight of them. So he was the baby. And uh, now he's, you know, 16 years old and freshly baptized with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And, and his mother gets sick. And so he goes out to his prayer place on the back of the farm. And he said, okay, God, he, lets, he said, let's see if this works. Let me find out if this really works. And he began to pray in faith, believing that, that God would heal his mother. And by the time he finished praying and walked back to the farmhouse, his mother was in the kitchen cooking. <laughs> this works, church family. This works. Amen. 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 Everybody said praise the Lord. Before I have everybody stand, I'm going to ask Brother and Sister Small to stand, if they would, right now. If you just stand right where you're at. Now, if everybody will look back to that back northeast corner of the building, that gentleman in the black suit, that's Brother Small. Okay? Now everybody can stand together with them. And... Uh, No, Brother Williams, if you'd like to come sing with her, that would be a wonderful treat. Just come right up with her here, and I'd just be thrilled about that. And uh, I want to say the, the men sang the other Sunday night, and they did a last, last Sunday night, I guess it was. And they, they did a great job, and I just really enjoyed it. And uh, what I'm saying to you as they're coming, getting ready to sing, let me say this, that um, God is real, and he is the healer, and he is the Savior. And whatever your problem is, whatever your situation is this morning, most especially if, if you're not yet baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you have not yet gotten the gift of the Holy Ghost, then I'm asking you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And if somehow I have to make that today, what I said, simpler, then I'll find a way to make it simpler. But it, it's repent, it's baptism in Jesus' name in water, and it's received the gift of the Holy Ghost, just like they did in the Bible, just like they did. Okay? That's the three things you need to do. That's Acts 2.38 in your Bible, the first day of the church, the only church that Jesus ever started. And that, that's the plan of salvation he gave to them. And they received it, and they went and told everybody else. And here we are now 2,000 years down the road. And the church, as the church, we're still earnestly contending or powerfully contending for this truth that you're hearing today. And everybody said hallelujah. Well, let's give God a big hand, shall we? Amen.
So if you will apply what I've taught to you this morning, then you no longer will be ignorant about God's truth and God's salvation, meaning that you no longer will be lacking in knowledge. You can say, well, I know it now. I've heard it, and I know it. No matter what anybody tells you in any religious institution, okay, you know, you know now that you need to repent, you need to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, not in titles, okay, not in somebody saying Father or Son or Holy Ghost. Those are titles. Nothing wrong with titles, they're nice, but if you're going to call on him and get results, he said you're to ask in his name. And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what your Bible says. Okay? So now you know that. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands as she sings, and let's worship him. Let's call on that name. Don't fight it. Don't resist it. Don't get against it. Come on now. Holy God, great God, mighty God, wondrous God. We love you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, thank you for this truth. 